by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Ephesians 1.19. Paul says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. For who? For us. The incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. What's the qualification? We believe. This same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him into place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. That's power. Now he's far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ. Who holds all authority? All things are, are under the authority of Christ and has made him head of all things for the benefit of who? So Jesus has all, all authority. The Bible says he's seated at the right hand of God. But where's the church? The church is down here. But it says the authority is for the benefit of the church. So did, what did Jesus do? He gave authority to you. Jesus said, I will build my church. He didn't say, I have built my church. Just maintain. He said, I will build. I am building. I will build my church. It's in the process of being built. But who has the authority down here on earth to get it done? What's the power for? For the benefit of the church. Now he'll give you a little power to, for the benefit of building your personal life, for your job and everything, but everything must be seen through the lens of we're building a church. Yes. Psalms 115.3 says, Our God is in the heavens and he does as he wishes. Who's going to stop him? There was a man named Sceva. Acts chapter 19. And, and Sceva had seven sons at least that we know of. I don't know how many daughters he had. I guess Miss Sceva must have raised some ambitious boys. Some entrepreneurial boys. Because when these seven sons of Sceva saw Paul going around casting out devils and, and devils coming out of people and shrieking and leaving and the crowds gathering around, they thought to themselves, hmm, 
how's he doing this? Because I want he's he's getting famous. I want to be famous. They're thinking to themselves, we can make money. We can charge for this. That's what they always do, religious people. They always think about what they can get out of it, ain't they? Anyway, these seven entrepreneurial boys of Sceva, they said, we're going to start doing this. And I think they probably did a couple of times, you know. It maybe didn't work, but they tried it. But then this one time, they come up in there with their cantations and their repetitive they had heard Paul say, in the name of Jesus, so they're in the name of Jesus. You know, sometimes we just sound like a parrot just saying, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> we think there's a formula for the power of God. If we say it just right, it, must, it has to happen. I've been there. Man, sometimes I pray and I hit it from every angle in the Bible just to make sure. But I'm telling you, them devils are going to look at you and say, Paul, I know. Jesus, I certainly know. But who are you? Who are you? If you don't know who you are and you don't know who Jesus is, these seven sons of Sceva didn't know Jesus. They were Jews. They don't believe in Jesus. Most of them. I mean, they didn't. these boys didn't. In verse 15 in Acts 19, it says, but one time they tried it. See, I told you they probably tried it before. One time they tried it, and the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them overpowered them, attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Coming in there with a formula and no relationship. Plus, unbelievers don't have spiritual authority. They're slaves to their daddy, the devil. Jesus told them, you're of your father, the devil. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have Father God. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. And if you don't have Jesus, you don't have any spiritual authority because where's all authority? With Jesus. What's sad is, is Christians... who are supposed to wield this authority, are running around naked and beaten and defeated of the enemy because they don't know they have this authority. And it don't take much. If I don't continue my relationship with Jesus, if I don't have a prayerful relationship, I don't talk to him, I don't read his word, I'll be talked out of the things. I'll be talked out of my, the authority. The world is like a giant drain just sucking you down all the time. You better either swim or get sucked down. I was talking to somebody the other day that's a good Christian man. Lived his life for Jesus. Jesus. 
found him in a most peculiar place, situation. Because for a season in his life, he stopped serving the Lord. Allowed a slow fade from the church to happen. Stop reading his word. Don't look all so high and mighty just because you're serving the Lord right now. You better make a determination in your life that he is your life. You have Jesus, you have life. You walk away from life, you have death. This is a living relationship. This is a now relationship. <laughs> Isn't it? So last week, we talked about the authority that we have as believers. The spiritual authority was delegated to us. And it has limitations. It's focused. It's conditional. And we will be held what? responsible for how we use it last week we talked about the focus what what is what is our authority and we said it, it is in the promises of the word of god it's what jesus said we have we can't just make up our own laws and say this is what i have authority over the laws have already been established by god the promises of god those are what are yes and amen to the believer but that's all we need, right? Because the, the Word of God and the promises in the Word of God contain everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything that God wants us to have, He's already promised. Anything outside of that ain't good for us anyway. So we have everything we need. This week, we're going to talk about what are the conditions. We understand the focus. Now, what is our part? What are the conditions Do you want to be able to say with authority, be healed in Jesus' name? Do you want to be able to silence the tormenting voices in your head? Do you want to comb the raging storms in your life? Do you want to be able to dispatch angels for your benefit, to cast out devils, to arrest that devil? Do you want this authority in your life? Well, I wrote this. We've been talking using the police as an example of authority, right? Just as police must be trained and qualified to get a badge, they must wear the uniform to be respected and remain faithful to keep their position. So, too, we must as ambassadors for Christ. You want me to say that again? Because this is true for police officers and it's true for Christians. There are levels that you walk in authority. You understand? I want more authority. I want to be trusted with more. What about you? But I must be trained and qualified just as a police officer must go through basic training. He must understand the laws. He must be qualified to be, he must be a believer. They must wear the uniform. Are you embarrassed of Christ? 
Or do people know? Do you wear, do you put on the new man who is made in the likeness and similitude of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you walking in that new man? And are you remaining faithful? These are just some things I said. Now, I have... I have written down nine conditions that I'm going to go through. And I don't know how far we're going to get today. We'll just stop when the Spirit stops. Number one, nine conditions greatly affect our position of authority in Christ. Are you ready? I mean, this would be something I'd want to know if I was sitting out there. It was something I wanted to know, so I, I wrote it down and the Lord showed me. Ignorance. Ignorance stops us from walking in authority. We are ignorant that we even have it. That's where most of the church is. Now, we're not because we've been speaking on it for some weeks. But most of the church is ignorant that they have spiritual authority. They think the devil is in control. And I've told this story before, and I just tell stories again. I don't care. Stories are meant to be told. But there was a man... Uh, from Ireland or somewhere, and he wanted to make his way to America, the land of the free. And he saved up all the money that he had. He was a poor man, but he worked hard and he saved enough, had just enough to buy the ticket on the cruise liner. He stepped aboard with the little sack of all of his belongings, and that's all he had. And he had in that sack, he had put him some crackers, few cans of sardines or whatever he ate that he could afford for the journey and every night come dinner time he would walk the dicks his stomach growling and he'd look over and he'd see him in there eating off that fine china and that luxurious cruise liner and they would just look like man he said I wish I had money because if I man oh what I would give for just the scraps that they're throwing in the garbage here I am eating my last cracker. He did that for over a week, just losing weight, skinny, uh, suffering, looking in garbage cans when nobody's looking, trying to scrap something together just to make it to it. So when he got to America, the last night before he got there, he was sitting there and one of the stewards came over to him and said, Sir, I have noticed you sitting up on this rail at every afternoon and I don't ever say are you on a diet why don't you come eat dinner with us he said sir I I can't afford it I'm just gonna be honest I I spent everything I had on my ticket just just I'm just happy to be here I, I'm really grateful just to be he said sir you don't understand the meal is part of your fare it comes with the ticket when you paid your fare, the meals were yours. And that's what most Christians live like. We're looking in garbage cans trying to get a scrap. We're not coming to the table. But your salvation comes with a whole package that most of us know nothing about. We're just happy to be saved. We're just happy to be on the boat. But God says there's so much more. You're down there starving to death. Ignorant of my salvation. It's like having money in the bank. 
and you don't know it's there. Don't live your life willfully ignorant. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. If you would take the time to know him, you would know this. You would know the goodness of God. Isaiah 5, verse 13 says, Therefore my people will go into exile for lack of understanding. Those of high rank will die of hunger, and common people will be parched with thirst. The rich and the poor alike will be hungry and thirsty for what they don't know. They will, they will be exiled because they don't know him for lack of understanding what God has done for his people. Don't be ignorant. Number two, walk by faith. Jesus and James and John and Peter were up on the Mount of Transfigurations, what they call it in the mountain that time where Jesus, his clothes appeared white and he was shown in all of his glory and talking with Moses and Elijah, but that's another story. And when they came that walking down the mountain, at the foot of the mountain, they heard this clamor going on, this arguing. And they get down there and they find out the other nine disciples had been trying to cast out the devil out of this epileptic boy. And they couldn't do it. I imagine they'd been down there saying, you know, Jesus sent us out two by two, and, and we were able to cast out devils, and, and we did all this. And they're down there now just thinking they got it figured out, you know, and they're in Jesus' name. And they're, you know, they're going through the rituals and trying to cast it, this devil out of this boy. But this devil wasn't going nowhere. He's like, Jesus I know, but who are you? And Jesus, and they're like, oh, how long have I got to suffer with y'all? He cast, cast the devil right out. And they said, they said, Jesus, why couldn't we do it? He says, because you get little faith. You got little faith. Did I write down a scripture for this? Jesus said, Matthew 17, 20. Jesus said to them, because you're unbelief. You know, you can have faith to move mountains one day, and if you don't stay hearing the word of God, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, you don't stay surrounded in the things of God, you can lose your faith. Jesus said, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith, as a mustard seed, you will say to this man, just a little bit of faith. Come on, guys. If you just have a little bitty mustard seed faith, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And as I say those very words, nothing will be impossible for you, 86.4% of you are saying, oh, I don't know about all that teaching. I don't know about anything that we ask for. Oh, that sounds like naming and claiming. Okay, well, you don't have the faith to receive it then. It won't work for you. Your faith will work. Your faith is in that you don't have it, and that's what you'll get. 
<laughs> now, I'm, now, understand, I'm up here shouting like I got it all together. But you know who I'm shouting at? I'm not acting like I got it together. I know what I need to believe. Lord, help my unbelief. Have you ever said that? Absolutely. So we haven't arrived, but that doesn't mean the Word of God is negated because of our lack of faith. If God says we can have it, we can have it. We got to work our faith. We got to trust God and believe the Word of God. God regulates the flow of his power in our lives according to our faith. Some people have little faith. Some people have big faith. Jesus told the blind men, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. According to your faith, Matthew 9, 29. And James 1, 6 says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he shall receive what? Anything from the Lord. You say, well, I tried it. I said in Jesus' name, nothing happened. But was it mixed with faith? Do you know Jesus? Do you trust Jesus? Most of us, quite honestly, don't even ever get to that point because we never step out on the Word of God at all. <laughs> this is rough, ain't it? Did y'all wear your steel toes today? <laughs> Luke 12, 32. Jesus said, do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You ain't got to beg. You just got to believe. You ain't got to beg. You just got to believe. He's not withholding. He wants you to have it. I imagine a police officer, after he gets his badge, the first time he tries to wield his authority. He's wondering if it's going to work, right? But his authority doesn't come from him. It comes from the Lord. Y'all remember Smith Wigglesworth? That's hard to say. Smith Wigglesworth. Not, some of y'all never heard of him. You're laughing just at the name. It's a real man. A great evangelist of old. I mean, they tell stories about this guy. It says... One story is that he had been fasting and praying for 36 hours. He had been ministering. You know, that was his life. But he had been gone on a stretch for 36 hours with no sleep. Fasting, praying, and ministering. He was so tired that when he got back to his hotel room, I think it was in Paris, he went to bed. He began to have bad dreams. And he was awakened in the middle of the night. And he says he opened his eyes and he looked at the foot of his bed was the devil himself. Smith Wigglesworth says, oh, it's just you. And he went back to sleep. 
You say the devil himself. Now, I know there's a lot of demons, but the devil himself, he, he's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere all at once. No, he can't be. But new levels, new devils, and a man with the force and the authority that Smith Wigglesworth walked in, the devil wanted to stop him personally. But he knew his authority so deep down, he saw the devil and he said, oh, it's just you. <laughs> Y'all remember the name Lester Summerall? Lester Summerall was ministering in Central America one time. And a witch doctor came up to him, had a frog in one hand and some blood of something else, and had the frog, the frog represented demons, and, and he was drinking blood and, and tr trying to cast spells on Lester Summerall. Dr. Summerall said, in the name of Jesus, come out of that man. The man fell down just like Jesus himself would have said it and got back up speaking in a new tongue, praising God. And he went back to his room that night and said he was sleeping and it was so hot there in Central America that he opened the windows and the, and the curtains a little bit so he could get some air in the room. And he said as, just as he was about to go to sleep, all of a sudden the curtains started blowing. And all of a sudden a chill came in the room and goosebumps was on him. He could feel the presence. He said a bad smell was in the room. The presence of evil. His bed began to tremble and shake. And it started shaking him to the middle of the room. And Lester Summerall recognized. He said, devil, you get out of here in Jesus' name. And the moment he spoke Jesus' name, the chill left. And there was a curtain shaking on the way out. And the smell left. And then he sat and thought for a minute. And he said, devil, get back in here. And the curtains rattled again and the smell came back. He said, devil, when I went to bed, this, this bed was up against the wall. Now you move it back. <laughs> he said the bed began to shake and shook him back to the wall. And he said, now you get out of here in Jesus' name. And he left. That's walking in the authority that God wants his children to walk in. Can you imagine if you had children? And there was a, a rapist, a child molester. You going to let him have authority over your children? I don't think so. That's not how my God operates. We've been given all authority to build this church. <sighs> Faith. This is the first and the main requirement to walk in authority. It's the most important one. And I wrote this, and this is probably... I say the crux of this message. God's looking for trust. He trusts us when he knows we trust him.
Are you listening? That's really what it boils down to. God is not pleased without faith. And when we have faith in his word, that means we trust him. We trust what his word says. We, we trust who he is. We trust his character. And when we trust him, that's what he's looking for so that he can trust us. He knows if we trust him, he can trust us. You want to walk in authority, work on your faith. Walk in your faith. We've been given the measure of faith. The other conditions that we will speak about, and I guess we're just, we're just going to have to do another sermon on this. They're just things that shake our faith. The, the other things that we will talk about, the other, we've got to two, right? Don't be willfully ignorant of it, then you don't even know it's there, but faith is the main requirement. And the other seven that we will talk about are simply things that we do to, to, to not shake our faith. Things that we do to build our faith. Are you understanding what I'm saying? If, you know, if our authority required us to be perfect and sinless, if our authority required us to be good-looking and strong, I mean, then John would have it all. <laughs> I mean, look, his halo's polished on the top. He's shining over here. No, but seriously, none of us would have enough authority to blow our nose. If it was, I mean, some of us are thinking, well, I got to get myself right. I got to do perfect. I, and then God will have, I will, God will trust me. But all the things that we do to get ourselves right are simply things. So, because if we're not right, we push away from God. And then we don't trust him and our faith wanes. You see what I'm saying? It's all about what we can do to build our faith, to walk in the authority. Because when I wrote these nine, I saw these things, and I said, these are, these are things that we can do to walk in authority God showed me. But then as I began to meditate, I began to realize all these things are pointing to faith. Faith is what is God wants to see that you trust him so that he can trust you. Do we need to go to one more? No, let's stop right there. Thank you, Jesus. Let me just see where we want to go because I don't know how to close. If I'm just going to stop in the middle here. But I want you to leave with something powerful today. I don't want to just drone on and then you cut me off because your attention span is running weak. But let's leave with something powerful today. God wants you to trust him. And when he sees you trust him, he knows he can trust you. You see, the authority that we have and the power that we're, we're capable of commanding could be used for great harm. If it, and so he's not going to trust us if we, he, he thinks that we won't use it for his purposes. But oh, those who trust in the Lord. Oh, those who have faith in His goodness. All know His character. And say things like, I know I could have more fun being like this. 
but I'm going to trust God that that's not good for me. I think that, you know, my life should go over here. It's clear to me, but God says go over here. I'm going to trust you, God. I want to please God. That is my central focus of my life. That is really why I was created, to trust God, to love God, to glorify Him with my life. And anything outside of that is us trying to sit on the throne. And God didn't, didn't trust the devil. He won't trust us when we're, we're insisting on being on God's throne. Right? All right, so we'll just we'll stop here. Next week we'll talk about other things that's going to help us build our faith so that we'll have the faith to say to that devil, you get out of my life. You get off my wife. <laughs> you get out of my children's lives. You'll have the faith to understand that angels are ministers of fire sent here to minister to the saints. And I can send the angels forth to bring in the harvest of good things that God has planned for my life. That when I get on my motorcycle, I tell the ministering angels, you bear me up lest I even dash my foot against a stone. When I get up in the morning, I begin to put on the whole armor of God that I may be able to stand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, I stand therefore. Stand in what? In the whole armor of God. In the power of God. Wielding that sword of the Spirit. You see what I'm saying? I'm declaring the Word of God by faith. By faith. And that's what I'm teaching the Pakistanis, and they're going to change the whole nation. Because they'll believe it over there. This ain't old news to them. They're just gullible enough to believe the Word of God because it's what it says. What if we did? What if we did? What if we got back on our faith? Begin to believe God because I'm telling you we're not going to be able to we're not going to be able to do that without it. And that's my heart. That's God's heart for you right there. Plant churches like we're doing in Pakistan, like we're doing in India. But plant churches in Olive Branch. Plant churches in Nesbitt, plant churches all around this area. But it's going to take some work. It's going to take some faith. It's going to put some faith without works is dead. It's going to take some faith and some works. It's going to take each and every one of us to invite somebody, to get somebody saved, to say, come along, God's got a plan for our lives. We're building a church. We're building a church for Jesus. You say, Pastor, you're just saying that because you're the pastor. Because, you know, you're supposed to be excited about the church. Actually, it's not my job to build the church. It's my job to equip the saints to build the church. That's what I'm here to do, excite you about your job. I'm here to pump you up. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. And you know what? 
You can do it. You can do it. You can. We can do this thing. I know it don't seem right. I know the disciples sat around at the fire at night and said, Matthew, you're a tax collector. I'm a fisherman, man. What are we even doing here? He can't do nothing with us. But they turned the world upside down. God can use us. He is using us right now. And it's going to get better and better and better. It's going to get gooder and gooder and gooder. As we, by faith, begin to step into what God has for us as a church. Praise God. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I, I believe, I recognize pretty much everyone. If, but if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, guess what? He knows you. And he would say to you, hey, I've been waiting for you to know me, want to know me. I've been waiting for you to put your faith in what I did on the cross. I died on the cross for you. He'd say, just come, just as you are. All your sin, all your stuff, and just lay it at the foot of the cross because I paid for it. And trust me. What does he want? Faith. He wants faith and trust. That's how you, you get right with God. Not works, but trust. We're saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God. It's not of works lest anyone should boast. So all you need to do is say, God, I don't want to be on the throne no more. I have made a mess. I need you. You be on the throne of my life. I'm putting my trust in you to lead my life. And when you, you say, I don't want to sin no more, I repent of sin, I'm going to follow you, and you mean it with your heart, and you say it out loud with your mouth, then he sends his spirit into your heart. You become a child of God. It's that simple. But you got to mean it. It's not some incantation like the seven sons of Sceva did. You know, we say the sinner's prayer like it's magic prayer, like these are magic words. There even isn't even a sinner's prayer in the Bible. That's just something that men begin to do to help people understand how to say what they need to say. But really what needs to happen is you just need to get right with God and say, God, I say out loud, I need you, and I believe in you, and you died on the cross, and I, I need your salvation, and I turn to you. Just say it. Just say it. If you say it with your mouth, you believe it in your heart, that's when we get real with God. Aren't you tired of playing church? Maybe you've said that before. You said that magical prayer and you're basing everything on that one time you said it, but, but there's been no heart change. There's nothing changed in your life. You're still going to the same rotten places that you, you've always lived, doing the rotten things that you always used to do. When the Spirit of God comes on inside of you, you're going to change. Maybe not, you're not going to change all at once, but your want-tos are going to begin to change. And if your want-tos have never changed, you, you, you're going to be die beaten and battered like the seven sons of Sceva, thinking that you're doing something and you ain't. So why don't we all just, for good measure, for those that know that you're saved, say it again. For those who ain't sure, say it like you mean it. Say, God, I, I repent of my sins. I don't want to live like that. I give my life to you, Jesus. I will follow you. 
I believe that you died for my sins. And you took them away. Forgive me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me build your church. I just want what you want. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Nicholas, I love you guys. You are so fun to preach to. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.